there was just a really big load of stress going on in my body. And you know, when that happens, you're going to have like Dr. Tom O'Brien, I love, he talks about like, we all have a weak link and everybody's weak link can be in a different place. So for me, it showed up in the form of cancer. And then later in life, it showed up in the form of Hashimoto's. So you never know where it's going to kind of break. But once you put so much load or force on the body, eventually it's going to break down somewhere. Hello everyone, Dr. Anna Kabeca here on Couch Talk, a intimate place for intimate conversation, shamelessly and guiltlessly. And so have you ever experienced digestive irritation, reflux, gastroesophageal reflux or GERD for short, any bloating, abdominal bloating, trouble digesting, gas, belching experiences? Have you been on an antacid for a long time? Have you struggled with hormonal balance or fatigue and you know find it difficult sleeping and getting your energy back or weight optimized? Well, today I have a guest, Jen Malecha, who is going to be speaking about this these very topics. She is an expert and she's someone I met through Mindshare, introduced by JJ Virgin, and has been in this space for a long time. She has her own personal journey that really helped her up level what she's doing now. And she's known as the Holistic Health Boss. And that's actually her website, Holistic Health Boss. Great website, right? So I'll tell you a little bit about Jen. She really works with coaching and helping health-minded professionals take back control of their health by giving them access to the right lab test and resources so they can find the missing pieces of their health puzzle and actually fix what is wrong and get back to feeling like themselves again. She's using over a decade of personal training experience and training in functional diagnostic nutrition and transformational coaching and creates personalized health rebuilding programs for clients that are realistic and sustainable for long-lasting results, and that empowers clients to be the boss of their own health. She runs a fabulous program. She's on Facebook as the Holistic Health Boss, health boss as well as on Instagram as Holistic Health Boss. So, Jen, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you. Great to have yes. you. I'm excited about our conversation that we're going to have today and what we can share with your listeners. I, I am too. I am too. I, I was telling Jen before we started for our listeners, like I've been stalking her. She's putting out some great information. She's just really, really positive and inspiring in your coaching and your lingo. And I look for that when I bring on a guest, number one, and also, you know, in my friend circle for sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that's so important because no matter where you are in your health journey, it can be really daunting at times. But I like to say that, you know, people like us are in the business of making the impossible possible, right? And that there is a solution out there for you. There is hope no matter what your situation is. And it's all about just finding the right information and resources, which is something that I think both of us tend to specialize in when we work with people or the information we're putting out there. And, and once you find those right things for you, like you can take back control of your health and you can live your fullest life. Absolutely. Well, tell us about your journey and what got you started here, your personal story. You know, I've always kind of been involved in the health and fitness industry, like since a young age, like I grew up playing sports and my parents had a garden and always taught us to eat healthy. And when I went off to college, I decided to study fitness, nutrition, and health so that I could go out and impact the world in a positive way. And when I got into college is when I first really started like having health problems. And actually, even before then, 
looking back at when I started my menstrual cycle, for example, I was that typical classic case of painful irregular periods put on birth control at the age of 16. And I was on it for 17 years because I just didn't know any better. And then when I got into college, I started dealing with, you know, suffering from chronic fatigue. I didn't know what to call it then. I was just absolutely exhausted and tired all the time. I had seasonal allergies that popped up when I'd never had those before that were worsening year over year. I would get terrible ear infections that would just wipe me out for days or weeks at a time. I was getting migraines. And then ultimately when I was 26, I was diagnosed with skin cancer at a really young age. And there weren't any really clear risk factors for me. Like I didn't have, there was no history of skin cancer, any related cancers in my family. I was not a chronic sun tanner. I mean, I live in San Diego, but I wasn't going out to the beach and lathering myself up with baby oil and just frying (laughs) in the sun or something like I remember my mom doing. So it really kind of forced me to look at my health in a different kind of way. And, you know, leading up to that point, I was always, you know, quote unquote, the healthiest person that everybody knew. I was a personal trainer. I was eating healthy, like, you know, chicken breast and broccoli all the time type of meals. And when I would go to the doctor for my annual physical, they would always tell me that I was the picture of perfect health, like my blood pressure, cholesterol, all those, you know, vital markers that they use looked perfect. So the skin cancer diagnosis really inspired me to dive deeper to get into this area of functional diagnostic nutrition, which is kind of the realm of functional medicine and do some testing on myself to look at things on a deeper level. And what I found were some pretty significant hormonal imbalances. My cortisol rhythm was all over the board. Um, My sex hormones were absolutely tanked from being on birth control for so long. I had H. pylori overgrowth going on in my gut, which I found was linked to the migraines that I was having. And oh, by the way, the low back pain that I was also having because it kind of the function of like the T7 like vertebrae area. And I had a really congested liver and I also had really high oxidative stress. So it was kind of no wonder why I was diagnosed with skin cancer when you look at it from that perspective. I had kind of the perfect storm of, you know, that was going on internally that just wasn't showing up on blood testing. So thankfully through the training that I was going through, I was able to implement lifestyle changes to naturally resolve and reverse those things. So I'm happy to sit here with you and say that I'm 10 years skin cancer free this year, actually. Congratulations. And you know, the funny thing is life still happens. So a little bit later on, like right after I turned 30, I was hit with estrogen dominance, Hashimoto's, and all as a result of having toxic mold in our home. And so, you know, I I tell this to my clients all the time, like you, you never can predict something like toxic mold in your home. So we just have to be prepared and do the best that we can on a daily basis to support our bodies. And even facing some of those extreme type of health issues and and stuff going on in my home, I was able to reverse my Hashimoto's within six months and to, you know, get the estrogen back under control. And here I am feeling better than I've ever felt in my entire life. So anything's possible, right? Oh, that is awesome. That's a good story. And just again, you did the detective work and now you're helping so many other people through your story and your journey. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that and congratulations for being skin cancer free. Now, how do you talk to people about sun exposure? (laughs) So it's really fascinating. As I just like, you can see a nice redness on me right now. I've just been outside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just spent a week in Maui and, 
you know, it's this funny thing because the sun is such an important like nutrient in our life, actually, right? When we look at it, it is one of the things that helps to regulate our circadian rhythm, our cortisol rhythm, and the rest of our hormones. It's where we can get vitamin D and, and it's also where we get infrared rays to help with detoxification. Yet everybody is so afraid of it. And then we put all these toxic sunscreens on our body to protect ourselves. And those just lead to their own like slew of issues. And so, you know, when I talk about, I just actually wrote a blog post not that long ago about how I'm no longer afraid of the sun because when I was originally diagnosed with cancer, yeah, like the, the fear of God was put in me about the sun. And I felt like I had to, you know, basically like wear sunscreen all of the time and I was a really active person, but now I've recognized that the sun is my friend. And I think that you still need to be careful when you go out in the sun because the ozone layer is not as dense as it used to be. And so we still need to be careful about our sun exposure, but I do also think that it's important. So I'm really mindful about how much time I spend in the sun, making sure that it's just enough, but not too much. And when I am you know, spending prolonged periods of time out in the sun, I'm using non-toxic sunscreens like I love Kula. And I also love the Hint sunscreen. Do you remember? You were at Mindshare last year, yes, I believe, yes. right? And the CEO of Hint Water was there and talked about her Hint sunscreen. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love it. You can get it on Amazon. It comes in a spray. It's like non-greasy, no residues. It smells absolutely delicious. Like the pineapple one that I get, it just makes you want to eat it right out of the can or lick your arm. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's great stuff. So I think it's just about being smart about the sunscreens that you're using and being smart about your skin and your sun exposure overall, you know? And really, if you think about like listening to my story, what made me susceptible to skin cancer wasn't necessarily my sun exposure, but it was what was going on inside my body that then cultivated an environment for cancerous cells to grow. Key markers for that were like the really high oxidative stress that triggers like DNA or cellular damage or just aging faster than we should be, the liver congestion that was going on. So my body wasn't able to eliminate toxins and excess estrogen like it should have been able to the hormonal imbalances, which can also contribute to those things. And then look at what was going on in my gut with the H. pylori and bacterial overgrowth. That's a lot of internal inflammation that my body was dealing with. And so there was just a really big load of stress going on in my body. And you know, when that happens, you're going to have like Dr. Tom O'Brien, I love, he talks about like, we all have a weak link and everybody's weak link can be in a different place. So for me, it showed up in the form of cancer. And then later in life, it showed up in the form of Hashimoto's. So you never know where it's going to kind of break. But once you put so much load or force on the body, eventually it's going to break down somewhere, right? I agree. I agree. And back to the sun exposure, there's a lot more than vitamin D we get from the sun. And as your skin can tolerate it, I recommend it, especially early morning, late, late afternoon, late evening for retinal exposure decrease the use of sunglasses that can really damaging to us. So being able to get sun exposure in the eyes, you know, in, on our skin, on our body, that's really good. And, and typically the type of cancer we get from the sun is not going to kill us, but lack of sun exposure will. 
but I'll always checks and balances. And I'm big went on, you know, putting a rashy on after, you know, like a, a long sleeve shirt on after you've been in the sun for a while, you know, and everyone's skin's different, but recognizing that. And also again, sunrises, sunsets, nothing, nothing beats that, right? Helping to reestablish their circadian rhythm as well. Now, Jen, let's let's go into this esophageal reflux. And you had dealt with H. pylori and tell a little bit, you know, like how you you healed from that. And also now we have clients on Prilosec, Nexium, 20, 30 years, and really eight weeks was the recommended time according to the studies. And we're seeing a lot of nutrient insufficiencies and prolonged extensive problems. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So let's talk a little bit about just H. pylori first in general for your listeners. And you know, H. pylori is a type of bacteria that resides within the intestinal tract and everybody has a little bit of H. pylori. So it is common like, and normal for us to have a little bit of these kind of like quote unquote bad bacteria in our gut. They're part of the natural ecosystem. But when they become an overgrowth is when they can become a problem, when issues start to ensue. And so when they start to like overrule the beneficial bacteria they can create a lot of internal toxicity and inflammation, which can then cause you know other issues downstream, essentially. And so H. pylori in its in its manner itself and how it's related to GERD, as we're talking about, is it feeds off of stomach acid. So if you look up you know, information about H. pylori, you'll find that there's studies that link it to ulcers. So it can cause you know ulcers, it can cause GI bleeding, and it can, it's actually there's a ton of studies that show that it's linked to stomach cancer if it's left unaddressed for a prolonged period of time if it really gets out of control. And so what I've seen in the work that I do with my clients and, and the cases that I've worked with is that a lot of times people will come to me with, you know, they've had acid, they've been diagnosed with acid reflux or with GERD, and they've been put on something like Prilosec, you know, because the misconception is that they have high acid. But what really is happening oftentimes is that they have an H. pylori overgrowth and we'll see this pop up on a stool sample test. And the H. pylori is eating up so much of their stomach acid that they can't actually really digest their food very well. Like they're not able to break down food. And so it's coming back up on them because their body is trying to digest. We have to remember that digestion actually starts in the mouth with our salivary enzymes. And we have enzymes that go all down through the throat into the stomach and then the intestinal lining. And so you know, when there's not enough stomach acid that's happening, the body is going to seek for other resources to help with digestion. And, you know, a lot of in the traditional like medical system, they'll run like a breath test or a blood test to to look for H. pylori. And I have found that, you know, there's no such thing as like the perfect test. So just because you get a negative on one of those tests doesn't mean that you can rule it out. If you're still suffering from something like acid reflux or GERD, then I would suggest if you've come up negative on a breath or a blood test, you still do a stool sample test. We got to look at it from all aspects and really see where we can pinpoint the problem. People have acid reflux or GERD come to me. We do see it on a stool sample test. It's easily addressable with some herbs, like really powerful herbs and different supplements and changes of the diet. We get rid of the H. pylori. Guess what happens? Their acid reflux and GERD completely goes away. They no longer need their Prilosec or whatever medications that they are on, and they can resume a normal life. Aside from H. pylori, I mean, we also see that I also see those things highly correlated with food sensitivities or just eating inflammatory foods. So my father-in-law is a really perfect example of this. 
he had been on Prilosec for, I can't even tell you how long, like probably at least 10 years. And we ran a stool sample test, sure enough, showed up with H. pylori, got rid of the H. pylori, he got off of his Prilosec. And then the only time now that he ever has any instances of acid reflux or GERD is when he eats gluten. So when he eats a very inflammatory food or something that he's reactive to, he'll get like, you know, that response, but then it goes away immediately. But now he can correlate that and he knows. So he can make a conscious choice to like not eat gluten most of the time and only indulge in it in those rare occasions where it seems absolutely like undeniable tempting, you know? That's a perfect example. So food sensitivities causing reflux and that creating the symptoms, right? This kind of creates a rub raw off to the intestinal tract and the lining, esophageal lining, stomach lining, and that impairs normal secretions. And it's certainly just like the, the pattern of eating that we have in general can affect our increased GERD, right? So one thing that I always, like, I love that you emphasize, you know, digestion starts in the mouth with saliva. So what's happened in America? We've gotten something that is absolutely killing us for free every time we go out. You know what, like, say, so do you know what that is? <laughs> free refills, right? Yes. Free refills. <laughs> free refills are killing us. And, and the reason is for our listeners is that, like, say, for example, you, take, you eat a piece of meat, our stomach is designed to pour acid on it, right? You pour acid on that meat, that meat dissolves, it digests. But take that same meat, you know, your body, you're pouring acid on it, you pour eight ounces, 16 ounces, 24 ounces of your free refills on it, you have diluted those digestive enzymes. So what happens? This food stays undigested or partially digested, ferments, gas forms, right? That increases pressure on your sphincter, your esophageal sphincter, creating reflux, burning, erosion of the esophagus, and long-term, it's creating a lot of problems. So the standard of care is let's cut that down, decrease the acid secretions, calm this down, when actually there's like, we need more acid, less fluid. At mealtime, I say, you know, stop 20 minutes before, begin two hours after a meal, especially if it had meat in it, any type of meat, fat, or protein, because that's going to take a while, a while to digest. And I have clients in my online programs and in my book, I talk about this in my book, The Hormone Fix, is I have clients after dinner drink no more than one or two cups of tea before bedtime. Because number one, we don't want to get up all night and use the bathroom. And number two, let our body digest and completely dissolve the food that we've eaten as well, right? Let our stomach do what it's supposed to do. Exactly. And I love that you talk about that because it is like one of the things that I discussed too, is it's not, it's not always about what we're eating. It's about who we're being when we're eating as well. So first of all, like when you're taking Prilosec, if you're taking Prilosec, it is reducing stomach acid. That's what it's doing. So number one, if you're on that type of medication, you're not actually solving the problem of whatever it is. You're just masking it. And number two, you're also impairing your digestion and ability to absorb nutrients in even more. So you're robbing your body of nutrients to balance hormones and to do the other important functions that it needs to be doing on a daily basis. And you know, to your point about over-consuming and the free refills, I think another really big problem that we have going on in our modern day world right now 
is this fast-paced life that we live in. So in order to properly digest our food, we need to be in a parasympathetic type of state, right? We're in rest and digest mode. But how do most of us move through the day? Like we're always moving from one task to the next. I know that most of my clients that I work with because they're busy professionals, they're like, you know, working through their lunch break or they're making their smoothie and they're jumping in the car and like going to work and they're not actually allowing themselves to digest. So I think that's also a really important aspect too is is slowing down recognizing that digestion actually starts in the mouth. And we can look at dogs as a great example of this, the Pavlovic dog that starts drooling when they know that dinner time is coming. I mean, I have a, a beautiful English lab and as soon as 5 p.m. hits, he knows that it's dinner time and he's like drooling all over our house. But that is the sign of his body preparing for food, preparing to eat. His salivary enzymes are kind of working up and getting going. His stomach is in getting prepared. And most of us don't really allow ourselves that time to actually sit down and prepare for food, let alone eat it. I know that I grew up in a household where it was always a race to the finish about who could finish their plate first. (laughs) And so that's something that I've really had to work on in my adult life is kind of slowing down and not being in that race all the time so that I can allow my body to digest, you know, the foods that I'm eating, especially for those people out there that are on like a ketogenic or a higher protein type of diet as well, because we, it takes more to digest those denser foods. And so you have to give yourself that room and space to really sit down and eat and digest. Great point. And so the process of coming off those antacids or Prolisec or Nexium after 20 years, what would you say that is? So I think the process of that is one, understanding exactly what's going on in your gut. And that that even relates to to what's going on with your hormones. So I always love to run with my clients two key tests, the Dutch test to look at hormone balance and estrogen metabolism, because that gives us some insights about what's going on with the liver, which if we're not moving excess estrogen out or toxins out appropriately, that's going to back up the system and negatively impact digestion as well. Also the opposite of that too, is if you have low estrogen that can contribute to like leaky gut or a dysfunctional digestive system as well. And just knowing also on there, like what's going on with cortisol and looking at your overall, like, you know, stress reaction or stress burden. So that that's a big factor in being able to heal your gut is it's not like a singular approach. We need to understand what's happening in the whole body. And so I think that's a key and indicative test that we can run and then partnering that with a stool sample test. So I love to run like the diagnostic solutions GI map test to see. I love that test. I love that test. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see what are the bad bacteria? What is the balance of the good bacteria look like? Is there inflammation? What's going on with the immune system? How are you digesting fat specifically? Um, So we can be more targeted in the approach. So once you have a better understanding of the big picture, then you can implement some supplementation, some changes to your diet that are guided by those results. You can take a look at your sleep habits, your exercise habits, and your overall stress load and start to improve in all of those areas. Um, So I think that that has to come first. Like I would never suggest that somebody just 
quit their Prilosec or Nexium cold turkey because you don't have the foundation in place. So, and I'm not a licensed doctor to really make those recommendations anyway. So I always suggest, you know, that the client speaks to their physician, somebody like you, or we're partnering together to manage the medication side of things. But I, yeah, because sometimes it's needed too. you know, additional, if we have treatment for SIBO, most people who have been on a long-term antacid have a small intestinal bowel overgrowth. And that's challenging because we can start with probiotics and you can actually feel worse. And so we, you know, I mean, that's something it can be trial and error, but the GI map test is a great test to look at that and to get a better idea of what's going on and, and what are next steps to really, to figure that out and exposure, exposure, you know, what exposures have we had? Glyphosate, pesticide exposures, those things can really adversely affect us as well. And you also mentioned another big one, mold toxicity. Mold toxicity will disrupt our microbiome in in whatever way it can. Yes, exactly. So I think that, you know, once you do some of the testing, you can implement a strategic plan that addresses diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation based on what you have going on. And then you you have to ask the question of, like to your point here, like what made you a good host in the first place? Like, why did you accumulate this bacterial overgrowth? And so that then goes in deeper to looking at, yes, your exposures, like, you know, what is dampening your immune system? What is dampening or suppressing your beneficial bacteria that's preventing it from doing its job to keep these bad bacteria um, guys under control? And looking at things like, toxin exposures, pesticides, is there potential for mold, you know, plastics in our environment, uh, all the contributing factors. And that's why I really love to dig deep with people. You know, it's so fascinating. Like when I do a consultation with somebody, even before they enroll in one of my programs, we go through a whole health history and I'm asking them like, well, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Illinois and against farmlands where you were exposed probably to pesticides and herbicides and things like that, that right from the beginning where you were little, this is an accumulation of something that's happened over the period of your lifetime. You don't just overnight get an overgrowth of H. pylori. It's been something that's coming probably a long time. And I always like to say like what you're experiencing today is an accumulation of everything that's happened over your lifetime. So really searching back and starting to see like, oh yeah, like okay, now I can start to put the pieces together and recognize like why I might've ended up here. You know, I know when I look back at my personal story, you know, I didn't know then what was happening, but now that I have this information, I can really look back and piece it all together and look at like, you know, right from that start when my menstrual cycle was off, that was probably the, some of the beginning signs of what was going on in my digestive system. And I was entering into high school. It was a really stressful time. Like my parents had gone through like a really ugly divorce. I was hanging out with my friends after school, eating like frozen burritos <laughs> and trying to like succeed in, in my studies and all these things. And so that accumulation of stress and we lived in a farming town, you know, we were drinking tap water. So you can start to see like, oh, these are all the reasons why or how I ended up in this place. But the cool thing is, is that it is reversible, right? Now we can start to implement changes to provide a more supportive environment for our gut to flourish, for that beneficial bacteria to flourish, and for us to ultimately flourish in our health too. Absolutely. Jen, how can people get a hold of you? I told them for our listeners, holistichealthboss.com is your website and it's a great website. You've been putting out some great content. 
Thank you. Yeah. You can definitely hit me up on my website. I love to put out like a blog at least every week. I try to with new information on tools and tips and resources for how you can tackle whatever's going on in your health. I'm also super active on Instagram at Holistic Health Boss and then on Facebook at Holistic Health Boss too. And Holistic is with a W just like the whole body or whole foods as I say. So that's where you can find me and we can hook up and I can share some more information with you. Well, and you do one-on-one coaching, right? You take clients through. So, so many people are looking for someone or their doctor to help them and many physicians just don't have the time or the functional background to really help people walk through. And I really want to introduce you to my community for this because for one-on-one coaching, this is, I mean, that's transformational coaching. So you've got the nutrition, you've got the fitness, you know, I mean, these aspects and the, the whole coaching, the inspirational attitude and language to really help people stay committed to their goals as we change things up. And often we need that, right? Even the best athletes have coaches, y'all. I mean, Tiger Woods has a coach, right? (laughs) Right. Even the best athletes have coaches. So Jen's a great resource for our listeners. Jen, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And I'll encourage our listeners to check out Jen and and do some coaching with her. That one-on-one can really help. Sometimes we need that extra, that extra push, that extra camaraderie, or just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm missing a piece. And, you know, in my book, The Hormone Fix, I've put those pieces out there for the majority of things that can really affect us. But I recognize too, that sometimes we need some handholding as we go through it. So for those of you in my community, the Keto Green community, join me there and, and thank you for listening and being here on Couch Talk. And I look forward to seeing y'all next week with the effect, you know, what we've talked about today with gastroesophageal reflux. Sometimes we need those extra digestive enzymes. Sometimes we need a probiotic. I recommend my gold standard is on my store at dranna.com. So the digestive enzymes and the probiotic that I myself use on a daily basis because I found it essential, especially when I'm traveling and, and eating out more than I want to, to really make sure that I'm getting the extra support I need as well. And so many of us need that too. So check those out at dranna.com and share this episode with your friend. Thank you guys.